I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for joining again this week. Uh, there have been a lot of things going on in the world recently. Um, and I guess that's that's probably an understatement. Um, at Bellwether, I talk about change. Uh, I help people manage change. And that's, that's effectively what I do. If you wrap it up in like one little kind of bow... I help people manage change, whether it's work change, whether it's individual change, whether it's society change, whatever. I help you adapt uh, or manage or whatever, insert whatever kind of word you want to use there for for change. Um, and while helping people manage change, it's usually focused on on just the individual. And so I don't really wade into to current events too much. I don't really wade into politics. I, I like, one, I hate politics. I just, I fundamentally do not dislike, it, it's so inauthentic, uh, just I don't want to get into that. I find that once you say something political, you've just lost half your audience, and that's, um, it's it's not a productive conversation place uh, in general. So, um, so I don't get into politics. Current events, I don't really get into current events because I, I would like to think that, you know, managing change and adapting to change and focusing on you could be fairly evergreen. So when you talk about current events, it's, um, it's, you know, I, I don't want it to get old. I want people to be able to use whatever I, I do on the show for, for years and decades and, listen to this podcast as they fly around visiting the Jetsons in their spaceship. Um, and, and so I, I tend to keep things fairly, uh, fairly evergreen, right? It's productive, positive, um, stuff. And I, I think that's an important place to learn. Uh, but there have been certain events, obviously, uh, in particular with, you know, the, the, the spark uh, of the death of George Floyd, um, that are uh, they're, they're certainly being politicized, um, of course, because everything does get politicized. Um, but I, I feel the need to to talk about it. I don't know why I feel the need to talk about it. Um, I mean, there are you know I struggled with whether or not to talk about it. Uh, one. Um, whether or not I should say anything. Two, is it disingenuous just for, you know, white guy talking about, you know, something like that? What could I possibly say that isn't, you know? Um, and I think I think a good lesson for many white people is just, you know, sometimes it's not your turn to speak, right? You just kind of let it, you let it go. Um, but but I, uh, the, the issue of, George Floyd issue. It's not even the death of George Floyd. I shouldn't call it an issue. Um, when, honestly, one of the struggles for me is, you know, how do I say it? And, and am I going to say something incorrectly? And, and I find myself just choosing my words much more carefully, by the way, um, 
uh, based on on just the way that we operate and we just go and and you know you have to kind of question those things now but um, there is a need for dialogue okay and and the horrific thing that happened to George Floyd um, the violence and protests that came after it uh, which have started to to die down is now uh, a time for you know, and there was anger in those protests, and there should have been anger in those protests, right? You get it. Like there's, there at a certain point, um, you just have to say enough, uh, and and so those, it's understandable, right? It's not, it's not the way that you want to see the world go, but um, uh, I understand. So, um, but now, now that those things have died down, uh, we're back to pandemic living, um. It's time for the dialogue to to start the change. And the, the challenge with change is people don't listen to you when you're shouting. Okay, they just don't. Right? Everybody wants to be heard over over everybody else. And so you look at things like the protests, which devolved into looting, uh, which is not you know where the conversation needs to go. Obviously, but um, but but we need to talk about it. And I didn't know how to to talk about it. Um. But the, this goes beyond politics. It goes beyond current events. This is going to fundamentally change a lot of things. Uh, granted, yes, I, I think there are certain things that we can assume right at the very beginning here is that a lot of these things should have changed a long time ago. Um, we've made incremental change you know, over the years. Um, and... Uh, and now, just from the conversations I've been having with people and seeing what's happening, especially in the workplace, uh, businesses are going to change. The way we think about society can fundamentally change. I, I, there are a lot of necessary change. We're finally at a point, hopefully, um, where where we could start to make some of this change. And and the answers that that people are coming up with are going to be uncomfortable. Okay, and and. People don't like to be uncomfortable, and they're going to fight it. Um, I mean, take a look at white people and the fact that they couldn't get a haircut. Hair, long hair is uncomfortable, and they were protesting over that. Um, <laughs> and so, so things are going to become even more challenging than just long hair. Um, so, so the question of you know all of this stuff, we have uh, a topic of race. Um, and, and deep, deep change that is necessary. Uh, but the changes that are going to come uh, really question not just, you know, we talk about macro, like the identity of a nation. We talk about all these big things, but it questions your identity as an individual, the assumptions you make as an individual, you know, your thoughts as an individual. Do you feel guilty for having certain types of thoughts, even though you can correct them and, and say, nope, that's not who I want to be, right? And, and that's really what what a lot of the change is talking about um it's uncomfortable to look at yourself and say yeah maybe i've had some racist thoughts right and um and it's important to recognize that and to say you know what maybe maybe unintentionally i'm i'm making some some you know unintentional racist you know things or something that negatively impacts a demographic of people uh the topic of race in this country uh, it, it's been in the consciousness of the country. It's part of the story of this country um, since the beginning. 
uh, and and this isn't this isn't just a United States problem. This is you know we have the protests are around the world, um, but you hear stories in the UK, you hear stories in China, you hear stories. You know, racism is is prevalent, um, and and the conversation hasn't changed much in the last few decades. But when I think specifically of the United States, the United States is a young country. People forget that. Um, we've only been around for a few hundred years, uh, which sounds like a long time, but it's actually not. It's a long time and it's not a long time. Um, and, and the, the changes in race, uh, and, and race relations and, and equality and everything are extremely young. Um, one I read the other day, fascinating to me that Martin Luther King and Barbara Walters were born in the same year. Uh, there are people walking around still, and they're able-bodied human beings. They're not just you know old sitting in wheelchairs um, who remember colored-only fountains, um, and that's and and sitting in the back of the bus and doing all doing doing all of that. So while we've made progress, it's very new progress. And and when we think about, we have a demographic of people who, uh, in this country um, especially, other countries as well, of course, um, but in this country I'm going to talk about a demographic of people who for generations have been told no. Um, yes, you've got the slavery thing, and then we'll say, all right, well, you can't be slaves, but you can't do this. You know, We're, we're going to let you not be slaves, but you can't do this. And no, you can't uh, buy a house here. And no, you can't golf here. And no, your kids can't go to school here. And the no and the no and the no, and this has been for generations. And it still happens, right? We just changed, you know, changed the words of it, right? Um, sorry, you're not qualified. You don't have the, you know, whatever. Um, and so, uh, and, but this, this, this no for generations, imagine growing up in a world where, where you and your, the people you identify with, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, everybody's always been told no. Uh, I can't tell you what that does to you because that's not me. Um, I wasn't in that situation. But here's what I can imagine that it's a very different way to grow up. Um, it impacts your perspective. It impacts your thinking. It impacts your ability to believe in what you're capable of. And this isn't something that will just change overnight. This isn't something to just say, all right, well, now we can have a discussion and everything's okay. We can we can move forward. This is going to take generations uh, to fix. Okay, we've told them for generations no, and now it's time to just, you know, not just say yes, but we got to say, okay, well, just saying yes isn't enough. Like now this is, I mean, we're, we're having a, not just changing rules, we're changing psychology of not just black people, but white people. Okay. We're changing the psychology of a nation and that's changing the psychology of a nation. Uh, that doesn't generally go well, uh, quite frankly, like that just, it, it's, um, because we're afraid of change. We're afraid of, we're afraid of change. Uh, we don't like what is, uh, we have a fear of the unknown. Um, and the uh, the challenge we're, we're going to have, which we already see it, um, any discussion on race, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion. 
Um, and I'm not just saying just from black people, it's from white people too. There are, there are a lot of assumptions, um, conversations and, and statements and, and, and everything that was discussed in like 1985 comes back and just says, you know, that's why the conversation doesn't change. Someone says something and, and like you could see it in the, in the conversations now, the topic comes up and people just get to the front of their seat. They're ready to pounce. They sit at the front of their chair, um, ready to tell you why you're wrong. Um, ready to tell you what you think is incorrect. And that's not a right question to ask. And, um, and people get louder and they get, they're stressed. Like when we take a look at our stress response, what do we do? We get bigger. We speak louder, um, because we see it as a threat to our identity. And that's why productive conversations don't generally happen. Because when a threat to our identity or, or something truly emotional comes to, to fruition or comes up in the topic, we want to beat it down to protect ourselves. So it's like this big bear. We're getting as loud and, and big as possible. And, and why, if the topic comes up, it has to come up. It's always coming up. Um, and sometimes I just I love it when the topic comes up. Not, you know. Not this, but just generally like political discussion when I'm sitting there and I will look around the room because I don't really engage in them. But you see the people get to the front of their chair and they're ready to just, they're ready. Oh, they're ready to tell you why, why you're wrong. That's not productive, needless to say. Um, and so with race, with something that's been so heavily in the consciousness of this country for the last few decades, um, it is extremely difficult to have a conversation, a learning conversation on race in a non-assumptive manner uh, and in a calm manner. Um, and if, if the conversation is not happening in a calm manner, that means we're not learning. If your emotions take over, you are operating in a stress response. You are not learning. And that is, I mean, that's, that's, there, there's, that's science. That's research on that's neuroscience research on parasympathetic nervous system and everything. In order for us to learn, we have to be calm. We have to be in a learning mindset. They've, there are a lot of different names for this thing, um, but when we're fired up and stressed and I mean we're 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 not learning. We don't, you know, our our cognitive ability and capacity goes down. Um, and now is a time to learn. Um, it's a time to learn. It's just as the conversation goes on. I, I, there are these these things that come out. You know, I'm a I'm a big person on communication, on how to communicate something. I do what I can to really try to communicate and use the words that I can to properly communicate to other people what I'm trying to say. Um, and and Twitter doesn't really help that. Um, you know. Getting someone to understand your job to communicate what you want them to learn. Your job is to create something and put it in a way that they can understand it. And that's not condescending. It's not a condescending manner. It's just saying, this is, you know, th- I'm going to lay this out for you to pick it up. Twitter doesn't really help that, right? People write these catchy things at 140 characters so people can retweet it, but, you know, it's often misinterpreted. Um, so, how we learn and how we teach and everything. Last week, I, I had uh, an Irish neuroscience. Sean Frutus Walsh on on the show, and um, his specialty is how to learn. Uh, it was almost fortuitous that that it was, uh, or you know, whatever the word is, um, that we had done the interview. We did it before all of this stuff happened, um, but 
he he spoke about what's required um, to learn, and and when we talk about these little little Twitter habits of it's time to learn and white people need to start listening and uh, all of that, and it's true, it's true. I want to pause. Like this isn't you know this is a time for learning. This is a legitimate statement. I want to. It's not just a, a little Twitter thing. Like oh, we need to learn, and then we just go off and you know go back to our supermarket shopping or or uh, creating a puzzle in pandemic or whatever it is. Um, this is a legitimate time to learn. We have to define what learning means. What does learning look like? Um, and, uh, you know, learning anything from a new language to a new work skill set to um, whatever. There are ways that we can learn and things that are required for adults to learn. Um, and right now we're learning a new psychology. Uh, we're learning a new way to think. We're learning uh, a new way to operate. Um, and it's necessary learning. Like this is, this is, you know, we're going back to school right now. Okay. And it's, it's going, it's, this is going to be a difficult class. Um, there is a, a lot, a lot of learning that needs to happen. A lot of listening that needs to happen. Um, a lot of questions, legitimate questions that need to be asked. And, um, and that's that's where we are. The, the people are calling for change. What change looks like, I have no idea. And and what it looks like looks different to to everybody. Um, but I'm going to guarantee you that something is going to change. Um, and it should. Where it where it ends up, nobody can predict it. I don't know. Um, the conversation will evolve. Uh, important, very important conversations are happening right now. Uh, a little too late, maybe, some would say. Um, more than just a little too late. Um, but, but you know, clients that I have are, are fundamentally changing the way they think about their business. Um, when, I'm, when I come in to consult, you know, the, the, the business context I have, um, and I've been having a lot of conversations, you know, diversity and inclusion which has been a part of every business, you know, a, a part of the discussion, some more than others. This is like blowing that up even beyond what a typical diversity and inclusion thing is. We, the people I'm talking to are fundamentally changing everything about the way that they work, everything the way they think about their employees, everything about, you know, how they structure things and how they structure payments and how they structure like there is nothing off the table. And we, we have to get rid of these assumptions because these are the conversations that, that really need to, to happen and evolve and, and do it. And it's hard. Okay, these conversations, when we talk about the conversations that are happening, especially in the workplace, um, and even more in society and everything else, these are hard. Um, we, one, we have to recognize that we haven't made the progress that, that we, we should have made. And yes, at a surface level, it's, it's easy. Like, don't be racist, right? Hatred is stupid, right? That's, duh, that's easy. Um, we want equality. We want justice. Yeah, of course, right? Of course, that's easy. That's easy. That's an easy statement to make. Uh, the devil is in the details, okay? What is justice? What is equality? Um, how do you actually define it? Is equality, uh, both people have the same opportunity just presented to them? Uh, but what if you have a head start? Do you have to treat another group of people slightly unequally in order to get everyone equal? You know, at what point is there equality? These are these are difficult 
questions, philosophical questions and, and difficult questions. And um, I, I do feel like uh, part of the reason some of the progress hasn't been made, especially in the workplace, is it is so hard. Uh, I feel it's like that, that, you know, you're trying to clean away race. It's like a dirty dish. You're scrubbing it and scrubbing it. And eventually it's like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to put that in the sink and let that soak for a little bit. Right. It's, it's like those difficult dishes. We just let it and put it off. And then we just kind of ignore it until it's, you know, until it gets moldy and nasty and it comes up again. Now you got to face it again. Um, these are difficult, difficult things, you know, good natured, good hearted people have tried to make these changes. Um, but when you peel back the onion, it, it gets extremely difficult. I think, and hopefully, uh, there are going to be good drivers here. You know, the arc of change, we're at the point where it's not just one person cleaning a dish. A lot of people now are, you know, cleaning that dish. It's not just going to sit and soak, I hope, um, so that we don't have to scrub it anymore. Um, that will be the, that dish is going to need constant cleaning, but um, I hope we can get it to a point where we're not just letting it soak. Um, that's what's... What's important, but anyway, so so the two things I want to I want to drive home today um, on this podcast: one, uh, yes, it's time for learning, and we learn by listening to stories. Okay, and two, uh, the conversation that needs to happen uh, needs to be driven by legitimate questioning and listening. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. One, um, so I help as, as a coach, I help people learn, uh, and we learn by listening to stories. So if you listen to Sean Frutus Walsh uh, talking about what re- is required for adults to learn on the episode last week, um, two of the things he says, one is focus. You need to give it your attention. Uh, and, and two is you have to make an emotional connection. And, um, and, and stories hit those buttons. That's why we love stories. And that's why stories help us learn. Um, we emotionally connect to stories. Um, and it's, you know, I always kind of knew this, but I never really focused on it. Every black person has a racist story to tell. It's amazing. And I also, I, I would argue every white person has a racist story to tell. Maybe not being the catalyst of the racist activity, but at least being a witness to it. Um, and, uh, and I, I mean, every black person has multiple stories to tell. Like, this isn't just one. It's like, oh, this is my one, um, which is just, in, it, it's insane. Uh, and, and they should have an, a legitimate emotional connection to you um, from an empathic fellow human being perspective. When you hear these stories, you have to put yourself in some kind of position to say, how does this relate to me? That's how we learn. When you hear about George Floyd uh, calling for his mother, uh, if you're a parent, I don't, I don't know how that doesn't rip you apart. Um, you hear about uh, children, uh, and these are just some of the stories that I've heard. Children afraid of their parents interacting with with police because they're afraid they're going to be taken away. Um. I, I don't want my daughter afraid of anything when I think about something like that. Uh, I want my daughter to be able to find the helpers, not to be afraid of them. Um, and this goes back to, you know, 
a demographic being told no over time. Um, these are intensely emotional stories. People walking around, uh, being followed around a store. And this isn't just, you know, like you hear about a black person being followed around the store and like, well, maybe they should have dressed appropriately. Like this isn't, this isn't anything like that. I mean, I'm hearing stories from senior executives at healthcare firms, law firms, financial firms. These people are being followed around stores. Like this isn't a just, you know, you didn't dress appropriately and we think you're going to rob us. This is just explicit, uh, just explicit. It, it's outrageous. It's amazing. You hear these stories, you're like, no, that didn't, come on. Really? That didn't happen. Like, it's time to just say, wow, I can't believe that happened. Um, like this, it, it's insane, uh, to listen to it. And, and the reason we, we, the reason we have to be empathic and understand these stories, um, I mean, undoing this can't be done overnight. This undoing it is going to take generations, okay? And you can't even undo it. Like, it just needs to be fixed. It needs to be, like, a new way of of going. Um, But we want, you know, I was thinking about why we have to be empathic and make this emotional, feel this pain with these stories. Um, One of of my favorite quotes, uh, to knowledge and wisdom we make promises only, but pain we obey. Uh, and that's a Marcel Proust quote, and um, that's that's it. You know, I could give you the greatest advice in the world. Um, if you don't feel it and think about it for yourself, you're not going to take it. And that pain that that we need to connect with other people on, um, that's why we need to listen to the story. We need a, we need that emotional connection, and that's going to help. Um, that's going to help understand where where we need to go. Um. And point two, then, um, so we need to listen to stories. This isn't a time, like I said before, we have a bias towards action. You know, white people love to do everything, and we want to help. And uh, sometimes helping is just shutting the hell up and letting somebody else speak, and uh, and and giving legitimacy to that story, um, and and internalizing that story. Um, now you can you can voice your support, but. We need to give the we need to give the floor to to somebody else, um, and then the other thing is the conversation, and, and the conversation is uh, is a dicey one um, because you just don't want to say the wrong thing. Okay, so many people want to they want to help, but they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And uh, though when I think about a, a productive conversation. This brings me back. To, I mean, you think back to the Stoics, right? The 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 ancient Greeks um, who didn't have conversations to solve things. Um, they had conversations to learn uh, and hear about a different perspective. Um, that's the way conversations happen, and that's the way they need to happen. And it it comes from asking questions. Um. And this is going back to that non-assumptive, get off the edge of your chair so that you can pounce to sit back and legitimately listen to what somebody's saying. I ask clients, I like to do it a lot in my workshops, is you know who could tell me what a question is? And most people can't. Um, most people, you look at someone and say, what is a question? They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Um, but I'm going to give you the answer. A, a question is a legitimate request for information where you don't know the answer. Um and that's important 
because we think we know the answer oftentimes. And that's, it's, it's, not, it's not just in how you word your question. It's you cannot have the assumption that you know the answer to the question. Um, and so, so these conversations are not necessarily about solving things. It's about understanding what we're, what we're dealing with. And, and the changes will come based on this, right? As we learn from other people, change bubbles. Like it, it just, it, it comes organically. It's not going to be dictated with, with an iron fist or a hammer. Um, and so, so that's how we have the conversation is through legitimate questions and listening. And uh, for those looking for resources, um, these conversations are happening in workplaces. I think if you manage people, it's important even if you don't have black people on your team, it's important to have this conversation. Um, and I've, I've got resources for people. One, um, and this is a uh, this is a phenomenal book, "The Art of the Focused Conversation: uh, One Hundred Ways to Access Group Wisdom in the Workplace." Uh, this structures out the, basically the four types of questions: objective, reflective, interpretive, and decisional. And um, it's a, it's a nice guide if you're looking for, you know, these are the questions to bring someone through. This is a, a phenomenal book. I don't think they actually have a model. It's a short book. It's only like 20 pages, but then they've got examples of, of conversations. You know, here are some examples of questions that you can ask. I don't know if they have a, a race one, um, preparing the agenda for a meeting, um, you know, internal reflection while leading a group. Uh, that might be a good one. So they've got whatever. They've got all different types of questions in here um, as a guide to ask legitimate, objective questions, reflective questions. Um, and, and most importantly, they tell you how to properly frame up the conversation. And that is what's going to be uh, a challenge for you. Number two, uh, a book called Helping, How to Offer Give and Receive Help. It's by Edgar Schein. Edgar Schein, I think, is a professor at MIT. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, the dynamics in, in helping people. Um, and a lot of it, uh, a lot of this comes from, you know, in order to help people, they have to want to be helped. Um, and I think about this just in a particular, particularly micro, not necessarily big macro, uh, view, but, um, when you're thinking you, you can't force your help on someone. Okay, so this this has to be, uh, you know, this I think this is more for um, those people who are just trying really hard to help everybody. Uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta slow your roll a little bit for the benefit of the the greater community. Um, you are well intentioned, um, but we need to do that. And then finally, uh, the other one, which is uh, "Change Your Questions, Change Your Life" by Marilee Adams. I recommend this to a lot of people. This is like a basic, easy book. It's cheesy as hell, um, but it's uh, it's important to say. You know, th this talks about how we operate in learner mode or judger mode, and this is a pure conversation for uh, for learner mode. And so, uh, change your questions, change your life. That's that's um, that's a great resource as well. So. Um, I, I can't tell you how to have these conversations. I'm not going to tell you how to have these conversations. I know these conversations are going to be ongoing. Um, but those are three resources for you. I will list them on, on bellwetherhub.com as well uh, so you have it. Um, 
the uh, 2020 has been one of the oddest years. Um, it's funny. It's it, actually when I think about it now is going back my my first podcast of the year. I called 2020 year perfect vision. Right, that was the cheesy thing going around. Um, there are no rules. It's the year of no rules. I called it, and this is legit. There are there are no rules in 2020. Like gloves are off. Pandemics hitting. Um, protests, everything, like our way of life. This is big, okay? Um, And I hope, I really hope we do have an opportunity here to make this potentially uh, one of the most important years in history. Um, And and I don't think that's an understatement. Uh, We have an opportunity to pivot here. And and I think... I think the the thing that makes this to me have actual real possibility is everybody's stuck indoors. They can't focus on anything else. You can't be distracted. So you finally can focus on this 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 challenge of race. And we're not gonna solve it, but we can we can take it a lot of steps forward and we can have a lot of really good um really good learning, really good reflection and and really good um heavy, difficult conversations, uh, and, and, and move this world forward, I hope. Um, and so that's, that's where I am. Um, I hope this was helpful. I mean, this was just, this is me thinking about it. I've been having a lot of conversations on it. I've been curious, um, just what everybody else is experiencing and dealing with. Um, and I'm, I'm doing what I can to, to learn. Um, and so I hope you're doing that as as well because this is a uh, it's a time for learning. It's that's it. So thank you for listening. Uh, more on bellwetherhub.com. Uh, more things coming forward. And uh, as always, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your listening, and I appreciate you. Um, so thank you for listening. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.